so well, so pardon me, my laughter, as I sure do understand. Even Moses got excited when he saw the promised land. That's right, you're not Texas. That's right, you're not Texas. That's right, you're not Texas. Texas wants you anyway. That's right, you're not Texas. That's right, you're not Texas. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lookout Landing podcast. This is episode 12. I am Kate Prusser, Managing Editor for Lookout Landing. Joining me today, as always, is John Troopin. John, how are you? I'm doing not too bad, Kate. The thunderstorm that was directly above my house about five minutes ago has passed by and uh, I still have power, which makes me optimistic for the rest of this recording. (laughs) Did you happen to see which way it's going? Is it headed south? Because I might be running into that same issue. It's gone all black and stormy and like, Uh, you know, later Harry Potter movie here. Yeah, I am looking out over the city and it is a little bit rough looking to the south so best of luck to you Uh, but uh, i'm sure you'll be fine you're hardy uh well and joining us as well we are we we have to curtail this talk because we're just we're we're tempting him we're we're rubbing it in his face longtime seattle lover lover of things in seattle not a lover based in seattle i'm terribly sorry that's the implication. I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know your life, Levi. Anyway, joining us today, waiting. I'm just gonna let you ride this one out and just see where it goes. <laughs> joining us today is Levi Weaver, who is the Rangers beat writer and uh, storyteller for WFAA. Hi, Levi. How's it going? Well, you know we've we've spent some time maybe illustrating the less glorious parts of seattle to you so oh all the rain nobody knows about that anywhere but in seattle we all just thought it was perfect weather up there all the time (laughs) so you're this you're the secret's out you don't understand it was the rainiest uh winter that we've ever had it's extra rainy now it was really really brutal (laughs) it's almost like the climate is changing or something Hard, hard to say. Hard to say. I don't know. I've been floating that idea around here lately as like, hey, guys, I've been thinking about this thing, but nobody really seems to think that it's a big deal down here. So, uh, Well, you are in Texas. I'll keep, that was been... the joke. That was where I was coming with it. <laughs> Handing out leaflets at Globe Life Park. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I am a little curious about your background. Maybe we could just kind of go over that briefly for the listeners. Okay, sure. Um. Because you did spend some time in Seattle, and I know that you you miss our fair city. So, mm-hmm. what what long and twisty and possibly hellscaped road led you to Texas? Gosh, let's see if I can get through this in less than two minutes. On your mark, get set, go. My dad was a professional rodeo cowboy, so I grew up. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I grew up going from rodeo to rodeo, and not only was he a uh, rodeo cowboy. He was also an ordained home missionary to the rodeo cowboys. So he was a cowboy preacher. Um, that was our that was our life as children. Uh, after I grew up, I went to college for a couple of years, and then I quit. Oh, we have a UPS package on our front porch. Sorry, <laughs> not a problem. You can bring that in, Lincoln. That's fine. Uh, I get those. I get those ten seconds back on this storytelling. So. Uh, <laughs> 
I, I quit college. I was going to be a baseball play-by-play announcer. That was my original plan. And people used to look at me a lot weirder when I said that when I was a musician. Um, I quit college after two years because I hated it. I traveled the world for a couple years. Then I was a youth pastor at my dad's cowboy church for two years. Then I broke up with my band and my girlfriend at the same time. And I moved to England for two years. Um, moved back to the States when I landed an opening slot on the Imogen Heap's U.S. tour. So I did that in 2006, um, and then I just kind of languished, really. I, I, I released f- a few albums, did a lot of tours. I've done probably, I don't know, seven or 800 shows, did a lot of house shows. Um, the Seattle Living Room shows, by the way, mm-hmm. Kristen and Carrie Watt. I don't know if you've been to these, but you should go. They're amazing. So yeah, I did that. In 2014, I moved my whole family into an RV, and we toured around together because we had two kids, and I was tired of being away all the time. So we hit 46 states, I think, that year, most of them twice. Um, And then I finished my career with about six weeks in Europe and the Middle East. Almost died in Istanbul. That's another story for another time. (laughs) And moved back, and then I just stopped, mysteriously stopped playing my guitar. And I didn't have anything else really to say, so I planted a garden. Um, And we were going to move to Seattle when we were done in the RV, but my wife got offered a job at a startup, and it was in Dallas. And both of our families are from Texas. And so I thought, well, uh, no, actually, we're not doing that. And then I found out that she was going to get some equity in the company. And we really didn't have anything lined up in Seattle. So uh, we moved to Texas. And over about a year after I last touched my guitar, I got offered a job to write about the Rangers. And here we are. So suffice it to say, you're maybe not the most traditional of the guys in the press box. No, and I'm sorry. I feel like I rambled a little bit on on that because we had <laughs> packages arriving at the house. So. You're I in think the that, right place. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> any story that uh, involves multiple iterations of the phrase "rodeo preacher," "rodeo uh, pastor," yeah. is <laughs> "rodeo church." Any any combination of those things really is. Uh, yeah, I'll 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 stick around for that story as long yeah. as you want me to. It was uh, it was a good upbringing, but it was interesting to then you know start to live in cities instead of uh, in rural America. And um, yeah, I feel like we could do an entire podcast about that perspective and how it applies to today's uh, wasteland of of uh, you know political opinions and ideas. But let's talk about baseball. <laughs> but let's talk about baseball Absolutely. because. Focusing on the rest of the world right now is sort of terrifying. Yeah, super depressing. Um, how do you think that that, ex- I mean, having traveled the world and having a background that's maybe not as super hyper narrowly baseball focused as maybe like a lot of the jobs seem to be going right now, you know, where you study math and mm-hmm. baseball numbers and that's pretty much it. Um, how does that influence the way that you write about or approach baseball? Um yeah, I think it's, as is the case with a lot of things in life, your biggest strength is also your biggest weakness. Um, so I I don't know as much about maybe advanced statistics as a lot of the writers. And I don't know as much about things like MLA style and, um, <laughs> and that as the rest of the writers. And so a lot of my writing is informed from, uh, like, you know, song lyrics or, you know, poetry or or philosophy books that I read. And really, I think baseball is pretty unique as a sport that it lends itself to that. Um, 
I mean, you guys are no no stranger to that. You, Jeff Sullivan started Lookout Landing, right? So, um, actually, that's a right a real question. He started it, right? Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. Uh, so yeah, like guys like him and Grant Brisby, and guys that that write about baseball, not in the traditionally stoic, stodgy baseball way, I think make baseball a more engaging game. And there are times that I'll put my foot in my mouth for sure, and somebody will point out like that's not right or real you made that up completely (laughs) i didn't mean to it was an accident i just thought that jake diekman was made from dragon scales i thought it was real so (laughs) well i think that that's um and certainly that's a tradition that we have at ll i think largely because the team has been so bad for so many of the years so it's like (laughs) it's much more appealing to me to write about the idea that nelson cruz playing in the outfield is actually like run by a crew of tiny men who inhabit his body and like fix up the rigging and really you know sail him like a ship in the outfield if we if you don't mind oh, <laughs> i mean off to a glowing start <laughs> sports ptsd about this. Oh, right goodness i mean um you know he's 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 been all right for us yeah but what I might say. So happy for you. Um, but I, I do kind of wonder about things. One of my favorite uh, Levi pieces is probably that Adam Jones catch, the famous catch mm. in the WBC, mm-hmm. and uh, breaking that down to be mm-hmm. a picture of the Last Supper. And I just, I am. How did your bosses in Texas let you get away with that? My I'm boss so is curious. really cool, actually. Um, He's great. Or Moyal is his name. And he, I mean, anybody that's going to hire somebody with my background to right. be their beat writer, like he's, we're the ABC affiliate in a top five market. And mm-hmm. he trusted our station's reputation by sending me into the locker room. And like, so anybody that's that <laughs> brave, or I, I'm not sure what he sees, but, but he's super cool about it. Um, we did catch some flack when I took the picture. I, took the picture of Adam Jones and superimposed it on a uh, painting of the Last Supper. And then I put some of the heads from the crowd on some of the various disciples. And um, <laughs> It was Twitter, fantastic. Yeah, Twitter loved it. Um, Facebook, for our station, I, I made it the banner image, and that's really where I messed up because they hated it. And I got called all number of, of names. Oh, what a surprise. Twitter was really cool about something, and Facebook was uh, totally regressive. Yeah. <laughs> who, who could have predicted such a thing? Yeah. Have you have you gotten any sort of pushback or, or sort of odd responses when you've gone into the locker room just from being, I guess, having a different background or having sort of a different way of looking at maybe even asking different questions than some of the players are used to? Yeah, no, not really. Um, I think... I think one thing about most baseball players, especially now, and maybe this hasn't always been the case, but I think most players, and especially younger players, they have interests that are not baseball-centric. Like I, I feel like maybe in the late 70s or early 80s, if you run into a locker room and you start asking questions about, like, so what's a band you've been listening to lately? Somebody might yell at you, like, this is not about baseball, leave. Um <laughs> It doesn't seem like that's really the case now, and I think maybe sometimes the like maybe the regional sports networks will see them do things where they are getting the well. I mean, you guys are Mariners fans. The Mariners commercials are great, so they'll have T 
TV commercials where they're having the, the Rangers do, oh, well, or the Mariners or whatever, whatever team it is, do these crazy things and, and um, that are not really related to baseball at all. And I think the players kind of appreciate it, maybe, because you do hear the same questions every day. So how's your rehab going? Are you going to throw a bullpen tomorrow? Wow, you gave up three runs in the ninth inning. Mm. What, what, what were you seeing out there? What did you see on that pitch that you hit for a home run? I don't know, like a freaking baseball. I saw a baseball <laughs> and I hit it. Like, and so I think maybe that's my ignorance plays to my strengths there because if it is like serious baseball question asking time, like I'll have two or three questions lined up that are pertinent questions, but because I'm still low on the totem pole, like your T.R. Sullivan's and Evan Grant's are going to get those questions out of the way. So by the time it gets to me, I'm like, no, I'm good. Like I got my answers I wanted to get. <laughs> so the only questions I have to ask are if I'm working on like a special piece. And, and I think the players maybe appreciate being asked. Like, um, So like Joey Gallo hit a home run that was had a six-second hang time. So I thought, well, sure. what else can Rangers do in six seconds? So I, I was like, Ryan Rua, how many Toy Story characters can you name in six seconds? Oh, Jeremy Jeffress, how many candy bars can you name in six seconds? And like, it breaks up the monotony, I think. Um, I think it's also helpful to like teach them, like, to let them know that you see them as whole people, right? They're not just like laundry that plays baseball. They're people with interests and uh, humans. It treats them like humans, right? And there are some players that don't want to engage in that sort of thing. Like, I've been trying to get a music recommendation from Cole Hamels for a year and a half now. And he's just like, ah, nah, man, I'm, I don't really have anything. Like, he's polite about it, but he's just, like, declines to engage. So, it's, you know, it's not everybody's bag, and that's fine. Um, but I, I remember, I think you were, you did the Rangers preview for the Effectively Wild podcast, if yes. I recall correctly. Yes, I and I remember you talking about the bullpen for the Rangers, uh-huh. just generally... Uh, in fact, not wanting to hear any baseball questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm, I'm curious. Well, I guess this is a two-parter. One, when you guys had Tom Wilhelmson, uh-huh. uh, did you get to ask him sort of any general questions? And two, uh, you know, has that still been able to continue with sort of the struggles that they, you know, I, obviously it sounds like it's a really sort of fun unit, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, when you have struggles, which is something that we've saw, you know, sure. seen with the Mariners, who have been a really fun team and had a really great environment last year, but have struggled this year to produce, and it would seem like maybe if you're struggling on the field, that might make it a little bit harder to be lighthearted. Have they still been able to sort of have that open-minded, fun atmosphere? Yeah. Um, so Wilhelmson was great. He was the first guy that was cool to me last year. Um, <laughs> like I walked in and and. I think maybe this is the story that I told on the Effectively Wild podcast where like they were all sitting there and they kind of were going to talk to me for the first time and I just started asking baseball questions and they weren't particularly smart and it felt like the guys just wanted to like goof around a little bit. So I came in the next day like, hey guys, I feel like you let me in the circle of trust and I screwed it up by asking dumb baseball questions. So I'm just not going to do that ever again unless I have to. And um, that was, I asked Tom Wilhelmson like, man, you used to be a bartender at a place that had a lot of live music. Like, what are you listening to these days? Mm-hmm. And he was the first guy to just be like, oh, man, yeah, here, let me talk to you. And it turns out we knew um, a band in Arizona in common. It was They were Nowhere Man and a Whiskey Girl was the name of the band. And the girl oh. um, passed away of cancer, and then the, the husband took his own life oh. immediately after. And it was just this heartbreaking thing because they were such sweet people. Wow. And um, Tom Wilhelmson was like, 
wait, you know, you know those guys, or you knew those guys? Yeah, you knew those guys, and it was this first moment where like, oh, we connected outside of baseball, mm. and it was like, we can just talk to people like they're people, and you know, as long as I'm not <laughs> crossing any boundaries and getting in trouble with Rangers PR, then I'm gonna get a better insight. Or you know, when I do need to talk about baseball, like this week or the last week when it's been a rough stretch and the team's losing a lot, like. I feel like a team is going to be more likely to speak to somebody who they have a little bit of a rapport with than somebody who's just like badgering them every day with questions about like spin rate and bat path and like the sort of things that are really cool and really effective and the coaches need to know about, but the players are like, yeah, we talk about that with our coaches all the time. Can we talk about something else, please? Sure. So, so yeah, it's still, it's still fun, but you're right. Like when the team loses, it's not, people are a lot less likely to just sort of preemptively goof off. We're definitely seeing that with uh, with the team this year, the Mariners, because, um, you know, last year they got off to such a fun start and we had the Swellmit and we had, you know, Leonis Martin was a big part of the team who I know is somebody who the Rangers fans also have history with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year it's just been a, a very, very different environment because they've they've started so rough. Um, so one thing that I think is kind of interesting to point out is like the parallels between the Mariners and the Rangers, right? As far as early season struggles have gone, um, what, (laughs) what's going on with your team, Leva? Man, I wish I knew the answer to that. Talk about your team. (laughs) Right? Last year they were, well, I mean, this is the third year in a row where they've gotten off to a slow start. Mm-hmm. And the previous two years, they came back and won the division. The difference, obviously, this year is that the Astros, you're not going to come back and win the division by winning 86 games, probably. like The Astros mm-hmm. are really good, as they showed, well, you know, all season so far. So, uh, yeah, it just it's guys that you don't expect to be bad. Guys that were good last year are not performing well this year, and... Sure, like a lot of the runs that were scored off the bullpen were scored off of guys like Mike Hofstrad, who's been who's a Rule Five pick. He's back with the Astros now, and mm-hmm. Anthony Bass, who's kind of the go-between. Like we don't have anybody else to pitch, so I guess you're going to pitch now. Um, you just took the crane machine and craned him right out of uh, Japan or wherever he was pitching. Yeah, yeah, plopped him right down into the ballpark and let him uh, give up some home runs there. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, guys like Tony Barnett, who last year was really, really, maybe like surprisingly effective last year, kind of come back to earth this year. Jake Diekman has been out with, you know, he had the, the, his colon removed because of mm-hmm. ulcerative colitis. Mm-hmm. Keone Kella, who had some struggles last year, but man, just looked like a world beater near the end of the season. And, and even in the playoffs, it was just, he was one of the few bright spots in the playoffs. These guys have not been, Sam Dyson, who was, perfectly acceptable closer last year have, have not not been super impressive this year jeremy Jefferson's velocity is down but i don't know maybe that's because he's pitched in 38 out of the first 25 games God. <laughs> um jose leclerc has been a nice surprising addition but he has been like mysteriously unavailable for a few days so maybe yeah he... where is he i was gonna say i don't know he, <laughs> like day before yesterday he was unavailable in a very in a spot where you could really use somebody with strikeout stuff, then yesterday he pitched, and then today, again, like, could have used a strikeout, and there's no Jose Leclerc, so I, I have no idea. And I don't travel with the team, so with them being in Houston the last four days, like, these are not questions that I can really ask. Um, perhaps the, the most obvious thing here is that Adrian Beltre is out, and 
mm-hmm. you know, yes, some of that is going to affect the offense, but Joey Gallo has been great with, with Beltre out. I think, I don't know, I don't know how much weight you give um, clubhouse or on-field presence, but if you give it any at all, you have to think that maybe the lack of Adrian Beltre is a, a real factor. Is he not with the team? Yeah, he went home for a few days, but I think he rejoined the team in Houston. Uh, I haven't watched the be- the bull- sorry the bench closely to see if he's in there in Houston, but I know he did go home for a few days just just to be with his family. Like, look, I'm not going to play. I can do rehab. And no, you know what? He's in Arlington, actually. I say that. He's been in Arlington doing rehab with the, the Dallas Mavericks um, rehab staff because they deal a lot more calf injuries in basketball than they do baseball, so... Um, so yeah, he's not been with the team. I was just reading about that because I, uh, I popped over to Lone Star Ball to just refresh my mind Mm -hmm. on what was going on. They had several articles about him working out with the Mavericks training staff, Mm -hmm. um, which seemed interesting. I didn't realize that the calf injury was not, um, so common in baseball just because Felix... You know, we had that <laughs> that loomed so large for us last year. Yeah. So, although his injury, I believe, came from jumping too <laughs> excitedly <laughs> off of the bench, which is a less exciting, a less common style of injury, if I recall correctly. Wow. Yeah how did how did Beltre's calf get injured? I I don't think I ever saw that. Uh, I don't know actually, it, because it's been both. Um, he injured one calf and then sort of got that healthy enough to go to the World Baseball Classic. And then I guess it was his other calf now that has been has been worse since then. And he was almost back and it was kind of a day-to-day thing. And then I think he, he re-aggravated it um, doing like base running drills or something. So, One of our uh, Twitter questions that I feel like we can, we can sort of slot in here now is actually it comes from Chris K uh, at C from Bothell. But I think it's something that we have enjoyed for a long time is do Rangers fans enjoy the Beltre Felix matchups as much as Mariners fans? 100%. Uh, Yes. Good, good, good. Yeah. Is it covered as extensively as it's always covered here? It seems like, yeah, it gets, it gets pretty good coverage here. See the first year that he came, nobody told us. And so we thought they were really angry (gasps) at each other. Oh no. And then some of the beat writers were like, "No, you know, this is he. This is this happened when he was with Boston too. Like they're they're good friends." And we we're like, "It doesn't look like they're good friends. <laughs> it looks like they're about to fight each other on the field." And then you know, eventually we we figured it out. But um, but yeah, I think it's a huge bummer that both of those guys are on the disabled list, uh, especially as the teams play each other. And then you know, Cabrera has also been on the disabled list, and he's another one that kind of will jump in and have fun with those two. So. Um, <laughs> It's just been a really unfun season. Yeah, for, I agree. with the injury. This is not a great start to a baseball season at all. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, the Astros are in first place. That's that sucks. <laughs> right for all of us. The Angels are better than expected. That's bad. That's awful. Yeah, let's um, talk, let's let's dump the on the Angels. Good. Aaron Judge has been hitting a bunch of home Ugh. runs, and, and and Pineda has been fantastic. That's no fun. No, 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 there's nothing, there's nothing fun so far. And watching baseball fights. I love baseball fights. And the only baseball fight, real one that we've had, we had the the benches cleared with the Rangers and the Astros in game one. Nobody really hit each other, other. but the only real like 
baseball fight it seems like we've had has been the Red Sox and the Orioles, and even that has just been like unfun and ugly. And like, no, it's not a fun like. Umpires are involved and stupid. It that's an ugly side of baseball that that fight is based on. That's not like perhaps you did not see we had a brawl in the game last night. Oh, a <laughs> dear brouhaha! <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the Mariners game. Oh yes. Oh, I totally a missed brouhaha that. Almost. Yeah, it was a brouhaha uh, almost. Brouhaha. Uh, it was Danny Valencia tagged out Martin Maldonado on a bunt. Okay. And <laughs> it was that was what happened. And and Maldonado, uh, he tagged him in the chest, and Maldonado suddenly was just enraged, irate, yeah, furious. And for some reason, that like led to some jawing. Valencia was confused, and then like they clipped away, and they clipped back, and both bullpens were sprinting in, yes. just in equal lines, and it was <laughs> mind blowing. I still don't know what happened. The worst, the worst, well. dumbest bullpen fight. That's that is fair though because you know you're not supposed to tag people in baseball so that's <laughs> very true. I he didn't even I mean I was like oh did he tag him like in the junk or in the face or something but uh, no just it was just in the chest. it was a chest tag yeah maybe no. maybe he called him a name when he did it like I don't know well Valencia is kind of known for that I know he I think he um, had a grand slam off Granky. Uh-huh. And uh, was giving him some stuff about it when they played the Diamondbacks in spring training. Um, and Grinky got a hit and was standing on first base. And Valencia decided that that would be a good time to, like, uh, you know, flip flip, flip him some shit about how he hit a home run off of him. So I think Dan- See, Danny Valencia, I think, idea. is that guy. Yeah, He's, he's your Rugnet Odor. <laughs> he's a... I wish. I mean... <laughs> Good Let's have a good laugh about that. Oh, I, I just man. meant from that aspect only, but you know, sure, he's the, he's the instigator. <laughs> I wish he had tiny horses that were part of his contract. That would Aww. make me like him so much more. Ah, uh, yes, the horses. We've had some good animal. That has been one fun thing that we've had this season is our animal-themed weirdness. The Rugnet Odor got two horses with his contract extension, and you Darvish adopted a dog from Twitter. So, good for we- that. We did see that, and that was very, that was very, very cute. I think one of the things that is, the the Rangers have the most likable players that I am forced to hate. Mm. That on of of any team, like I love Andrews and Beltre. Like Odor is fun. Like you Darvish is one of my favorite pitchers to watch. Like, are there other players on the Mariners or any other team that just purely from a fan standpoint, like you love watching, but feel obligated to root against? Oh, because... absolutely. Taylor Motter this year. Is just <laughs> oh, that guy, right? Uh, now, absolutely. Do you say this just as somebody who used to rock some nice flow himself? Oh, look, that's a factor. I'll, I'll <laughs> That's probably why Tony Barnett and I got along when I first went into the clubhouse last year. But, um, no, he's just been good and fun. Um, Robinson Cano is another one for the like, kind of the opposite reason. Like Cano seems to me to be the master of looking like he's not trying very hard, and then you look up and you're like, "Whoa, wait! What did he just do without trying so hard? Did he just do an amazing thing that nobody else can do? He did. In fact, he did." Um, yeah, I think Seth Smith was fun last year too. He's with the what the Orioles now, but mm-hmm. he just yes. seemed like um, like a very fun and likable guy. And then James Paxton, who just like goes up there and throws an easy ninety-eight. That's <laughs> that is tough to watch from the other side of the field, but 
goodness gracious. I, I imagine that's a lot of fun to watch as a Mariners fan. It is fun. It doesn't look like he's having fun usually, but yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is like fun for us. Bored, angry up there. B- bored, angry is a great way to uh, to describe James Paxton's resting face. Yeah. Yes, we, we've seen photos of him attempting a smile like a human does, and it, <laughs> it's it's subpar at best. It's but, so uh, bad. He's kind of kind of like Colby Lewis last year, who would just it looked like he was permanently scowling disapproval at everything that occurred on the baseball field. Like uh, that was an out, but it wasn't a perfect out. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. He's got an incredibly good pursed lip. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of the the rangers and animals and everything, I think this is a good time to plug your side project. Ah, uh, yes. My alt account. Yes, your alt account. Go ahead Go ahead and tell the people about your alt account. Uh, it started, so as somebody who hadn't been a beat writer before, I used to notice when I was just following all the beat writers on Twitter that you know the, the news would come out, and I know now how it works that John Blake, the director of PR, will go, we had a roster move, and everybody stands up and gets their, <laughs> their, their phones ready, and they're like, all right give us the roster move john let's go and then john will like tweet the roster move himself first which i've come to call blaking news and then (laughs) and then he will go uh the rangers have activated aj griffin anthony bass has been optioned to AAA to make room for him on the roster and then every beat writer tap 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 and there's like six different identical tweets that go Mm -hmm. and i read them all in john blake's voice now the Rangers have activated AJ Griffin and options Anthony Bass. So I tried to keep up with that for a little while, and I just thought, well, this is stupid. We I, we could just retweet John Blake, and then I don't know, I don't know why I have to say the same thing that everybody else is. So I, one day uh, the Rangers were playing the the White Sox, and um, Todd Frazier jumped into the stands to catch a foul ball, and he busted his lip. It was really ugly, and. Um, I was sitting down near the the new guy, so I had to go sit by the guest, uh, the guest media, and I hear the Sox PR guy go, "All right, we got an announcement coming up on Frazier." And I thought, "Okay, great, everybody's going to tweet the exact same thing." So I just said, "In 60 seconds, we're going to get an announcement on Todd Frazier. I will be instead tweeting a picture of a buffalo." (laughs) (laughs) For no good reason. Like, why was it a buffalo? I don't. It's the first thing that ran through my mind. And so, sure enough, Frazier had, uh, you know, a laceration and it was stitches. And so we get the White Sox people tweeting it, the Rangers people tweeting it, and just me with a picture of a buffalo <laughs> that had sunglasses on and was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and and uh, Holly, I don't know if you guys follow Holly underscore Hall. She's a really good Rangers Twitter follow. Yes, yeah. She says, please can we name him Sam Bison? And I thought, that's amazing. <laughs> yes. And somebody else suggested um, Charlie Huffalo, but it was he was too late. He was the second one. And so uh, after that, I tweeted Sam Bison for a while. Anytime there was this announcement, you know, anytime there were Blaking News, Sam Bison. And then I thought, well, maybe I could do other Rangers and just create. So I created like Giraffiel Palmero. And um, <laughs> there's one picture of Nolan Ryanoceros and Gino Petraligator. Mm-hmm. It's a touchstone. Uh, yeah, Joe. I had Joey Galligator for a while, and then Joey Gallop is my new one, where he's a horse. I enjoy that one. <laughs> so you know, some are better than the others. Uh, Felino de Shields, and so it was always like Ranger-centric players. But then I got, the, you know, I kind of got 
thinking that maybe I was overbearing my, my followers. So I started a new account. And plus, plus just the island of Dr. Morneau and or the island of Dr. Moreau, plus like Morneau, I wanted to use the name, but he wasn't ever a ranger. And so I thought, well, we have to expand this to become major league wide. And so now I just mash up on Photoshop <laughs> animals and players. It's the dumbest thing, guys. It's so dumb. I know it's dumb. It's delightful. And I imagine in a season that's kind of going sideways like this one, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I find myself very envious of it and wishing that, because I don't know if your Twitter mentions are anything like the Lookout Landing accounts Twitter mentions, but, you know, the Mariners go out, they blow a game, and then it's just, it's, you know, death and destruction and... Oh, yeah. No, not anymore. I, I have no obligation to listen to anyone whose job is to make my life miserable. So, any like, I, I am a one-strike-and-you're-out guy on Twitter. If somebody just tweets something horrible or abusive or just, like, terrible at me, I just mute them immediately and I never deal with them again. I don't. Like, I don't. I'm under no. I won't do it from the official, like, WFAA account, but I never check those mentions. So, uh, <laughs> do whatever you is, want on that account. That is the wise, do whatever the wise man. If, you're, if your whole shtick is to make me miserable or to complain to me about the lineup, like, why is Prince Fielder hitting fourth last year? Like, <laughs> you know, I could ask, and I will. Um, or, you know, Jeff Bannister has his own Twitter account that he's ignoring you on, so why don't you just ask him directly? <laughs> <laughs> now I think we have the real reason that Scott Service doesn't have a, a Twitter. Would you? If you were the manager of a major league team, would you have a Twitter account? I wouldn't. Oh, in no way, shape, or form would I. Oh, would you have any way for people to contact you directly? No. I'm always so uh, grateful to the players who do have them because that's been very valuable for me as I like get to know some people and mm-hmm. um, reach out to different players in the organization. But my God, like Mitch Hanniger, who is a, a favorite of John's, tweeted this... Um, what was it, John? It was uh, it's from either richmond california or nearby richmond which is just it's in the bay area and it was about it was a little video about rebuilding and renovating this park in sort of a underserved neighborhood um, where yeah it was this wonderful thing you know sort of this uh, an organization that goes around and does this had come in and done done this and they'd interviewed people from the neighborhood and uh you know government officials and just about the impact of having a safe space for kids to be outside yeah. in their own neighborhoods you know just wonderful uh, you know, universally supportable thing yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh yeah hanniger tweeted this out and um this great community building thing and of course like the first reply was a, a guy saying uh Love you, but what, and I mean, what does this have to do with your rehab? Which I couldn't help but read in, like, a, a foghorn leghorn voice. <laughs> I, I, I said, boy, where, where, is your, where are your T-bounds? <laughs> uh, oh, man. People, people, people. Yeah, people. Uh, so one, one player that... Um, for the Rangers that I think got off of social media this year and it apparently has helped him a lot is Joey Gallo. He like he used to be on a fair amount and he would like block people that said mean things about him which <laughs> I don't blame him at all. Uh, um, but like if somebody wrote an article about him that suggested that maybe he wasn't as good as advertised, he would just block them. Like 
the Stefan Romero tree. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, hey, if you're an athlete, live your life, do what you got to do. But I think it's been really good for him to get off of it and sort of just learn, give himself the space to fail, which you have to be able to do in baseball. And, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, would, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have an account if I was a professional athlete. I think I would go the Michael Young route, who he didn't have an account when he was a player. But now that he's retired and, you know, well-loved by everybody, he has started an account. And he's actually fantastic at Twitter. And he's very, like, he's kind of snarky, but in a lovable way. And, like, it's great. That's the way to do it. Like, retire first. And then when people tweet at you, retire, you like, did it already. <laughs> does, he, does he generally talk about baseball? Michael Young was another one of those admired but despised sure. players for me. Um, who I think he hit about... 680 against the Mariners, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Those, those were the good old days. <laughs> uh, well, he does. He, he engages on baseball stuff, but also just on, like, you know, real-life stuff, too. It's, yeah, that's fun. I think it's definitely a thing with younger players where, because they're part of the social media generation and they're used to having social media, like, they have Instagrams and they have Twitters. Mm-hmm. I think they more have Instagrams than they have Twitters, but they... Yeah. Uh, they all interact with their friends that way. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and it's easier to hide your identity on Snapchat, I think. Like, you have to know what the person's name, what their handle is to find oh, them really? on Snapchat generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you type in, like, you know, a guy with sort of a common name. Even, I think, Joey, Joey Gallo is probably a pretty common name, right? Uh-huh. So you just type that in and it, it won't return you any results. Oh, so Unless you have to know, you got to know the handle. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I'm curious, since like we talked about uh, sort of the way that you have approached uh, sort of presenting this, uh, you know, the Rangers and trying to get at not just, I think, the baseball and, and the sort of cliched answers, um, if that, if you've seen sort of, a, a response in that it, of people who have come out and said, you know, been more engaged with the team as a result, like because you're try you've been able to portray players in a mm-hmm. less in a you know multi-dimensional way. Has has have you gotten positive feedback on that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's that's a really uh, that's an interesting and good question that I don't really know if I have an answer for. I feel like a lot of the people that I talk to were already pretty engaged um and so yeah i don't know i i mean you know i see obviously my numbers go up and i see the station uh, you know we've we've increased our numbers and people have engaged with us more Um, but -hmm. i think those are people that were already prone to engaging with the team Um, i don't know that i really have a whole lot to do with it other than for people who want to engage with the team that way i give them Mm -hmm. maybe another option or a way to do that and so part of part of that, I guess, uh, I'm curious about because the Mariners fans and Kate, you can certainly speak to this. I think the average Mariner fan mentality is one of every spring is a new spring, and every spring is a new chance for the Mariners to be exciting and fail. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and <laughs> the sort of people are. You know, I, obviously there's exceptions, but I think as a collective, there's sort of an expectation that they're just waiting for the team to collapse. And, that, oh, same old Mariners yeah. is sort of, a, you know, a, it's a mantra at this point. Built-in nihilism. Exactly. I'm curious if you 
how would you describe the sort of stereotypical Mar or Rangers fan mindset, I guess? Oh, man, that's tough. Because um, I think I think there are some who there are some I think who engage it that way um, because the Rangers haven't ever won a World Series and because they have failed in some really spectacular and unexpected <laughs> ways in the last yeah. you know, six years. The first, I think, the last time people were really happy as Rangers fans <laughs> was <laughs> was 2010. Because the uh -huh. team had just made their first World Series, right? Mm -hmm. And so we didn't care if they lost. Like, they just made a World Series for the first time ever. How cool. Mm -hmm. And then in 2011, they made it back. And you guys know what happened in 2011 with, you know, Game mm -hmm. 6 and all of that mess. And and that yep. was just, I think it gave people a little bit of shock. So the next year, in 2012, when things kind of collapsed at the end, and they lost in, a, in the um, wild card play-in game to the Orioles. Right. Or it's the um, wait, was that the year? With the, see, I'm 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 showing that I'm not. It was either the <laughs> Orioles or the Rays, and then the next year was the Orioles that they lost to on the final day of the season. I think that was yeah. it. We had Hugh Darvish versus Joe Saunders, and oh. <laughs> and Joe Saunders won. Um, yeah, that was in thirteen, and then in fourteen, like everybody got hurt, and the Rangers had like seventeen first basemen. I got to play first base for the Rangers <laughs> that year. That was neat. Last uh, twenty fifteen, they came back and they were you know people people got healthy. They made it to the playoffs. They had the best record in the AL. No 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 no. That was when they came from behind. That's right. They came from yeah. behind and they they took over the Astros. They got to wave the big like we came and took it flag. And then <laughs> and then the the series in Toronto happened the way that it did with three errors in the seventh inning of Game Five. And then last year they had the best record in the AL and just got swept by Toronto. Um, so it's like they've come up with new and inventive ways to be heartbreaking. <laughs> and so I think there are a lot of Ranger fans that, yeah, that see the team as, like, we love this team, but how is it going to go this year? Like, what's, what's, who's, whose arm is going to fly off in the middle of the pitch? Like, <laughs> yeah. so, so people deal with that different ways. I think there are optimists that view it as like, yeah, it, it's going to break my heart at some point, but it's still baseball and it's a sport that I love and I get to, you know, I get to watch this play out. It could be worse. It could be not baseball. And I think I probably count myself in that, in those ranks. And then there are others that are just like, fire the manager, fire the hitting coach, fire the pitching coach, fire everybody, <laughs> and disband the team, and especially fire the general manager, and burn the ballpark down because mm. they're never going to win. Like, well, I mean, kind of you know. doing that anyway, right? Right. So <laughs> everybody gets their, everybody gets to be happy and happy at the same time. Yeah, I was looking at uh, Evan Grant's mention. Evan, Evan Grant had himself a little sass party today. He does that. Uh, which was great. <laughs> Fully enjoyable. Tell him to follow Lookout Landing back, by the way. He made a big deal over us finally following him and then didn't follow back. Come Not on. Really. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I I saw a little bit of that kind of emerge because the uh, the Rangers were in danger of surrendering a very large lead today yeah like they have done on a few occasions this year you know that's the, that's sort of the astros thing though they they did it to us once they did it to the angels uh they did it to wait did they do it the, to the angels they did it to the they a's, it to with the sean a's. Manea's yeah had that like no hitter yeah he was throwing no hitter. it disappeared yeah exactly <laughs> so i mean that's that's kind of the astros thing and i I felt bad yeah. that the the poor old Rangers were getting 
tagged by that when it's clearly no, some kind of evil did. devil you magic. Don't. You didn't feel bad. I was going to say, Kate. I appreciate you being kind on my on my behalf, but you didn't feel bad. I, I felt a little bit bad because, um, you know, it was going to make you possibly late if they tied that it up true. and went to extras. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted a cheery, cheery Levi, obviously, even though I, oh, I recognize that. <laughs> Regardless. That often... It, it's frustrating being friendly with people in the division because I know that every happiness afforded to us costs you a little something and, and vice versa. Yeah, so. but you know, I think the Rangers and the and the Mariners were so... Um, there was a time when they were pretty like staunch enemies. I think back in the like Dave Valley charging them out in the late 80s days. Oh. <laughs> but it feels like there's some... Uh, Simpatico a little bit between the two lately. Like the, the Mariners are like the least hated team by Rangers fans. We hate the Astros the most, and like the Angels the second most, and the A's just because they've inexplicably beaten the Rangers a few times when they were supposed to be bad lately. It's just this mm-hmm. sort of like, ugh, they're not supposed to be good. Ugh. The Mariners, I don't know. It's just sort of this like, yeah, if we're not going to win, maybe the Mariners can win. I think a lot of people would like to see the Mariners win, including Mariners fans. Yeah. <laughs> but... Some some Mariners fans, not all Mariners yeah, fans. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's... Do you think that that's the case with Mariners fans? Like it was kind of the thing with Cubs fans for a long time that they were the lovable losers, right? So, I've I was interested to see, you know, if if some people would kind of give up a little bit now that they won their World Series. Like that's it, I can walk away happy and be done. And obviously, they would be replaced by bandwagon fans, but. But I wonder if that would be the case with Mariners fans, too, because so much of the identity of the team the last few years has been like this uh, like nihilism that I wonder if winning a World Series would just totally wreck their reputation. It'd be like the indie band that finally got like a gold record and all their fans are like, <laughs> ugh, sold out. I, it's possible. I think the the thing that keeps that back is that a significant part of that sort of genre of Mariners fandom is also engaged with being either diametrically opposed to being a Seahawks fan. Ah, yes. uh, uh, Because you don't want to be a 12. uh, Ah, okay. Or hangs around purely so that they can point out how much better the Seahawks or the Sounders are as organizations. And so I I think there's a chance that some might drop off, but I think it, it would more just be... It, it would allow those people the first ammunition they have ever had yeah. in a long time to say, ha, we, you know, we did something better than the Seahawks, uh, which, you know, they're both fine, fun teams. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> there's a need to compare, but Jesus, sorry. I, I, I mean, keep seeing, I keep seeing sweeping lightning. I don't know if you swiped it back at me, Kate. Or what's going on? Yeah, but no, I'm. This is I'm like sorry, the I longest got... lightning storm I have seen in <laughs> in Seattle. I, I in just a long got time. totally distracted because it is now just biblical raining outside, and <laughs> I had that moment that you always have. You know, we live in the rain, so we're used to it. But like, I just had this that terrifying feeling that you have sometimes, like, oh my god, I left a window open somewhere. Right. You know, like <laughs> it, it's that kind of rain. It's just passing overhead. Uh, all right, so moving on. Also, I don't yeah. want to go down uh, Mariners fan nihilism too much longer because <laughs> that is sucky. Did we cover Joey Gallo enough, do you think? 
Oh, I mean, he, it it seems like he has been, you know, with Beltre out. Would you just would you say he's been sort of the biggest bright spot so Absolutely. far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I voted for him for Rangers Player of the Month, um, mm. and he he won Rangers Player of the Month for April. He's what I told everybody that asked coming into the season because he struggled. His batting average was under a hundred in the big leagues last year, and, and mm-hmm. he struggled in the last half of twenty fifteen too. Mm-hmm. And everyone. You know what's it going to take for Joey Gallo to succeed this year? And my my standard answer was answer was that he needs to learn how to fail, mm-hmm. um, because he's always been kind of the best player on his team. And mm-hmm. he's I can hear the rain by the way. It's yeah. very loud. Is that the rain, Kate? I thought you were just sort of slowly drifting towards like a wood chipper or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Lord. Sorry. Sorry, I was going Go for on, the mute anyway. button there. I, I started it. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, talking to him this year, it's not like I took him aside and went, hey, Joey, as, as a member of the media, allow me to tell you, you need to learn how to fail. Um, but I, I've been watching for signs for that. And, and there have been a, a couple of times this year where he said, you know, my our, our hitting coach took me aside and just said, you know, stop trying to be a 300 hitter. Stop worrying about it when you strike out. Here's what you do. You hit a lot of home runs. You hit the ball really, really hard and you strike out a lot be that be the best version of that that you can be and don't let the strikeouts bother you because you're Mm -hmm. still going to produce enough not just with your glove but he's also a really good defensive third baseman he's fast he's a smart base runner he can contribute in other ways than just hitting home runs and um, it's like he gave himself permission to be himself and all of a sudden he can strike out three times in a game and he goes up there in, in late innings and he doesn't look defeated he's not slumping he's not dragging the bat back to the dugout he's like all right maybe this time but if i don't then the time after that like and that's just what it takes in baseball you have to be able to fail and forget about it quickly and prepare for the next one he's really done that well this this season so i know i i keep extending us because i I apologize but you, you what you're saying keeps bringing up interesting questions you had talked i think about how carlos gomez had also had a really good sort of yeah come to come to god moments in terms of how he was hitting yeah is the hitting coaching is uh, is there one guy or that has been sort of soothsaying for rangers hitters yeah it's uh justin mayshore i think is the guy um Mm -hmm. that i both both gallo and gomez talked about Mm -hmm. and um and it's interesting because i talked to people who work a lot in the in the minor leagues or cover the minor leagues and they said that when he was in the minor leagues, there were a lot of the younger guys that were not buying into what he was saying, and that he, he struggled almost uh, to, to keep a job in the minor leagues, but then he gets up to the big league club, and he's all of a sudden the, the bat whisperer. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if he made an adjustment or, or what, but, but yeah, both Gomez and Gallo have credited him with their turnarounds. That is frustrating to hear as Mariners fans but <laughs> fascinating to hear as a as a baseball fan well but it you is. guys had your own like when Leonis Martin left and mm-hmm. there were interviews last year where he said I would have never made this adjustment and gotten better if I had stayed in Texas where I was like it required coming here and working with Edgar Martinez mm-hmm. so I think yeah it's just different players with different coaches like sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. um, I mean, Leonis Martin, maybe not the greatest example to throw out right now. <laughs> not this season, maybe. He's, he's undergoing. Well, he, he went on his own little journey of, I can I should move my hands again. And 
Perhaps Edgar knew what he was talking about the first time. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I think it's it's been good for him, too, to kind of get to... I th- it it's so much about attitude, like you were talking about, and it just it really seemed to have damaged his attitude to struggle so much. So mm-hmm. now he's with the Rainiers. He's with a team that's pretty young. They're very fun. They're winning a lot. Um, he's kind of you know the boss of the outfield again, as right. opposed to because he's in an outfield with Tyler O'Neill, who is not a particularly strong outfielder. I mean, he's good, but he's he's not Leonis Martin good. Right. Um, and Zach Shank, who is not an outfielder. I don't know why they have Zach Shank out there, um, except they're trying to turn him into a super utility player. Every, so. Everyone will, will be Taylor Mott. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, I will pretend to have heard the name Zach Shank before. Oh, no, he's he's not um, he's not a, a name you probably would have heard. He's like a he's just he's kind our, of a Swiss Army knife player. He's, yeah. he's our fifth five foot ten white guy. Uh, middle infielders come utility player. Gotcha, you know. gotcha. Yeah. We just got another one of those. Pete Cosmo just signed with the Rangers. There you go. Oh yeah, can we talk a- briefly about um about Jerickson Profar and what the what the heck? Yeah, if I was uh... Jerickson Profar being designated for Pete Cosma, I would be real mad. Well, yeah, but he's gonna get to play shortstop every day. And that's what he wants. And he wasn't going to do that here for as long as Elvis was around. And, you know, at the end of maybe 2014, first part of 2015, there was a lot of talk that when Profar got healthy, then he would be the shortstop here in Texas. But all of a sudden, Elvis Andrews has undergone some renaissance. And so he's, he's, I mean, he's always had the build to be a guy that hits 15 home runs a year. But I think... I heard an interesting theory a couple of weeks ago that maybe when Ron Washington was in Texas that he saw something in Elvis that reminded him of himself and so he tried to craft Elvis Andrews in his own form mm-hmm. and turn him into this sort of slap singles, you know, high defense, low offense, bunt heavy infielder. And when Jeff Bannister came to town and there was a new a new mindset, all of a sudden Elvis, who is I mean, he's got the build to be a really good shortstop that hits the ball really hard and drives in runs. And now he's hitting cleanup today in the Rangers lineup. Um, <laughs> and he's got five home runs already. And yeah. And so I think that Renaissance has been amazing. Um, and so, yeah, Jerickson profile is kind of a guy without a position. Rugnet Odor jumped him in the standings at second base when, when he was injured and, mm-hmm. you know, third base it's Beltre, then Gallo and Profar can kind of play some first base, but, it's only because he tried last year. He'd never played first base at any position or at any level before last mm-hmm. year. And after two days of practice, like, well, you're the starting first baseman today. Um, I mean, he's not. He's not a first baseman. So after that, you're looking at left field or a super utility position, and he just has not thrived doing that. He's been bad at the plate this year, and he kind of looks like he's checked out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, don't, I mean – Send him to AAA and let him build up his trade value again. Mm-hmm. Um, because he used to be the number one prospect in all of baseball. I think right now you would struggle to get a whole lot from him. Yeah. Um, even as a trade piece. So let him build that up back up in AAA and let him, you know, set him free. And uh, <laughs> probably flip him for some pitching at some point. Do you think that that's yeah. a likely route? 
That seems like the likely route, but then you got to look at, well, are the Rangers going to compete this year? If they're not, then maybe maybe you've... I don't know how you trade him if you're not a contender. Because if you're a contender, then yeah, you trade him for a bullpen, you know, a quality bullpen arm or a starter, but, you know, by then Hamels is going to be ideally healthy and so will Tyson Ross, and so your rotations are going to be pretty set. Um, but if you're not a contender, then, then you're a seller, and... I don't know how you get rid of Jerks and Profar as a seller right now. You're not going to send him to a contender. They're not going to. I don't think a contender brings on a Jerks and Profar this year, mm-hmm. unless he's just setting the world on fire. Um, you're not going to really sell, trade him to another seller, probably. I mean, maybe that's the the route. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't have any good theories as to how that's going to go. It would be interesting to see, and I know there was a piece today, I think, by Dave Cameron talking about if you Darvish would be someone that the Rangers would sell, sort of like Zach Greinke, mm-hmm. I think was a few years ago, if they continued to struggle, um, which, I mean, I'm sure right now they would not at all do that, and I don't want to ask, but are they going to do that as someone who <laughs> right, lived no, through I, a decade of, I think it's are you going to trade Felix now? Are you <laughs> right, going to trade Felix right. now? And it's like, no. Right, but, but Felix and the Mariners have always had, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, they've always had a pretty good relationship between him and the yes. organization and between him and the fans. Definitely. Um, I don't think that's been the case with Darvish. You know, you get people that are adamant that he is not an ace and that he care. you get people in the social media that he cares really? too much about striking people out, not about winning baseball games. I'm like, well, one good way to win baseball games is to strike people out. <laughs> That's um, and there, and this part, there, there may be some legs to this theory that because I asked him about it, and he said that he admitted that it's true that he pitches differently with a lead than he does when the game is tied or when it's behind. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he hasn't been as good with a lead as he has been at other times. So hmm. there's some legitimate frustration to be had there in that specific thing, but my goodness, if you want to make a deep run into the playoffs, yes, you want you Darvish on your team. You want the guy <laughs> yeah. with the, you know, 11 strikeouts per nine in his career. You want that guy at the top of your rotation. So, yeah, I think if they struggle, I do think he will be moved. And, man, if it comes to that, give me all the prospects. Like, <laughs> all of them. Yeah, is the Texas farm um, with the I, I mean, I know that Profar, I guess, is sort of still a prospect, and Gallo's just recently up. Uh, are there other big names or anything to be excited about mm-hmm. there? Well, you got Ronald Guzman, who's a first baseman, and he mm-hmm. he used to be this. You know, he's, he's about six foot six, and he used to be built about like me, which doesn't mean much if you don't know me. Um, <laughs> so let's come up with a better one: uh, a lamp or possibly a broom. <laughs> <laughs> Now and those oh, hang on. Would it be a broom standing with the handle t- on the bottom, or let's, uh, let's make the swishy part on top? That can be the hair. The hair. Okay, excellent. So, uh, but he's gained you know forty pounds in the last year, and all of a sudden he's hitting wow. authority. And so I think he is absolutely going to be the first baseman of the future. Um, but no, I, th- I do think a lot of the Rangers' prospects are now you know Nomar Mazzara, who is a starting outfielder, and uh, Joey Gallo, who's now the starting third baseman, and Rugnet Odor, and you got some really young guys that are, you know, Ryan Rua is still young. Um, so right now the the farm is kind of Ronald Guzman and Johander Mendez is a left-handed starter. That was the other guy. Who could be something? Connor Sadzik throws 100 miles an hour and has been really impressive, but he's still in Double A. 
And um, and then Jose Trevino is a, a catcher who is probably still two two years away, I would think. Um, so no, I mean it it could be a healthy thing for the organization to sell off this year and, and restock that for a nice long run in the future with these guys that are already at the big league level, um, you know, joined with, I mean, you name it, I'm really bad at playing the game of, I, I struggle to keep up with my own organization, much less the prospects of others, but, <laughs> but um, it could be healthy, but also it would be sad. Like it would be sad to see you Darvish go and it would be sad to see, um, you know, Jonathan Lucroy. And then you're one more year of, you know, does Beltre get traded? And, if so, that means he doesn't get a ring with the Rangers, and um, you know there are other guys that are nearing the end of their. Let's see who else is going to be a free agent. We'll go around the horn. I mean, maybe maybe you do trade Anderson Profar as your shortstop if you believe that he if he shows you something in AAA this year. Um, Napoli's gone after this year. Maybe he gets traded, but he probably wouldn't net you much right now. So yeah, I mean it could be a total teardown. Tony Barnett could be gone. He's I think a free agent after this year. Um, Andrew Kashner, probably Tyson Ross, if he gets healthy, sure, trade him too. Uh, is yeah. the it, would there be rioting if Adrian Beltre <laughs> did not go into the Hall of Fame as a Ranger? Um, no, I don't. I I think that they, we only riot about football here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I he's sort of one of those fascinating cases where it's. I mean, like we loved him as a Mariner, and he was a good player, mm-hmm. but like there's no real case there you know the right team his, his best years have been in texas i think yes um but i i guess it's he's sort of one of those difficult to place guys who's beloved nationally mm-hmm. um and i'm i'm curious how i mean i'm i'm sure he is loved there as well but it does he have sort of that passionate base of oh yeah we gotta get him okay yeah absolutely i mean i think it was like it, He's not quite to the level of, say, Dirk Nowitzki, who has spent his entire career with the Mavericks. Sure. And, you know, getting Nowitzki a ring was a big deal until he got his. I think mm-hmm. everybody wanted to get Tony Romo a ring for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I think Michael Young was that guy here mm-hmm. um, because he had spent, up until he was traded away, his whole career here. And, we, and he was so close, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think as far as, like, right now, um, Beltre is that guy that the entire Metroplex, and I think even people around baseball like, well – even if I hate the Rangers, if they won a World Series and it meant Adrian Beltre got a ring, then okay. So, yeah, he's he's a, a pretty well-loved guy here here and elsewhere. Sure. Um, so we have one final question. Okay. Far more important, I guess, than, uh, than anything that we've discussed so far. <laughs> okay. Um, this comes from our look, fellow Lookout Landing staff writer, Isabel Manassian, at 95 Coffee Spoons. Uh, and the question, I guess two-part question, is what cupcake best represents Jerry DePoto? And if Jeff Bannister were an olive, what kind of olive would he be? Okay. Uh, I think DePoto is, he starts with a chocolate cupcake, but then he trades it for a <laughs> vanilla one with sprinkles. <laughs> and he takes that and flips it for two donuts and a bear claw. <laughs> Eats the bear claw, trades the two donuts off for one of those rainbow-colored cupcakes that is, uh, it's it's home, uh, like a locally sourced rainbow cupcake. Sure. And he started with a chocolate cupcake and ended up with a locally sourced rainbow cupcake. But what happened is the rainbow cupcake rotted, 
unexpectedly, and it was not nearly as good as everybody expected it to be. Oh. <laughs> the rainbow cupcake is Drew Smiley. Based <laughs> oh. uh, oh. um, on his Twitter, perhaps not. But... <laughs> oh, 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 that was Wait, that, that was a political joke. <laughs> I don't know enough to catch this joke, but what, did Drew Smiley say something uh, insensitive Drew... about... Not insensitive. No, but Drew, no. Drew Smiley's politics can probably not be described as a rainbow. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a lot of baseball players. Um, uh, it see. is, what? except it's not Mitch Hanniger, a.k.a. <laughs> oh, <yeah. AKA laughs> folk, Seattle folk hero. Yeah, guy trying to make the world better. Sean Doolittle is like my favorite non-Rangers player. He oh, my gosh. Yep. Yeah, he's on the um, DL again, which is, again, the yeah. 2017 season is not. I mean, maybe that'll give him more time for tweeting and doing stuff in the world. But yeah. uh, As to what kind of olive Jeff Bannister would be, uh, let's go Kalamata because they're super salty. <laughs> <laughs> and also kind of shrivelly. Oh, well, see, <laughs> I think we've finally figured out a way to be enemies again. We can start <laughs> talking trash about each other's teams. Here we go. It wasn't going to be the players. It had to be the managers in the front office. We found it. I will say, both of our teams do have, uh, you know, bipedal turtles as coaches, <laughs> I think is something we should be bonding over and not yeah. fighting. Yeah. There you go. Way to, way to build that bridge back, John. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I sit man I I sit in the office every day for home games with with Jeff Bannister and I, I learn a lot from him, but I I do think he is somebody who kind of thrives on conflict and and I think his history will tell you that like being told that he was never gonna walk again was like his um, motivation for coming back and playing baseball and he made it to the made it to the big leagues and like got one at bat and his one at bat he beat out an infield single by like sheer force of will. <laughs> and he's the first manager that I've ever known that like just goes out and he also wants to rumble when the bench is clear. Like he will lead, he's leading the charge. Um, so yeah, I think he just like thrives on, on conflict and I don't. And it's, that's, <laughs> it's been interesting to sit and listen to him speak, you know, every day for 20 minutes and just think like we, we are opposite people, but <laughs> I am still learning, you know? So that's that's been uh, been fun for me, and I I wonder how it would be to sit because obviously you know first team to cover. I wonder how it would be sitting under different managers if it would be better or worse or, or what it would be like. <laughs> yeah, we and I make it sound like we don't get along. Like we we do. We totally get along. We're just you know we're friendly opposite people. I don't know. Uh, Sometimes you learn the most from your opposite person, right? Like, oh, yeah. that is not at all the way that I approach the world, but right. knowing that that's how you do expands my worldview and gives me new yeah. things to think about, even though I would never, ever, ever, like, you know, willingly run onto a baseball field where players were about to brawl. Like, that's just not... Right. right. <laughs> I would be... So last last year, AJ Griffin is not my opposite people. A, AJ Griffin, he is he's my people. Um, he last year he got fined because when the Rangers and the Blue Jays had their big fight with the Odor Bautista thing, he was on the disabled list, and so this fight is sort of winding down, and everyone's still really super heated, and he's just like expressionlessly walking around picking up hats off of the field. <laughs> he's like, 
He's got like 20 hats. He's just like collecting these hats on the field, just aimlessly walking around looking for hats, picking them up. And it was the best part. And he got fined for being on the field because he was on the disabled list. He was not allowed to go out there. He's like, I wasn't doing anything. I was just trying to clean up. <laughs> I was just trying to clean up. Uh, oh, yes. The Levi Weaver story. Uh, so, so, yeah, uh, like that. That's if I were out there, prob- I, I don't know, maybe maybe I would get heated and like spear tackle somebody like Sam Dyson did. But no, I kind of think I'd be the guy like just aimlessly <laughs> wandering up picking up hats. That would definitely, I think, definitely be my role if I was out there at all. Or um, maybe maybe standing off to the side saying, guys, guys, hey, guys. This is getting ugly. Yeah, that, I think that's, that's really where I, would, where I would shine the brightest. Yeah. It's just another lack of representation for me in baseball that there's no person out there saying, guys. Your own team would peg you with a pitch somehow. <laughs> like... Like, not only did you not retaliate on our behalf, you tried to get us to stop. Your pitcher would turn to, like, pick off a runner at first base and instead just wing it into the dugout right at you. That's what would happen. Uh, Well, we really appreciate you spending the time with us today, Levi. Thanks, yeah. My pleasure. Tell people where to find you and your work, because even Um, as a non-Rangers fan, I often find myself reading it just because the quality of the writing is so high um if you want to see a bunch of pointless uh tweets like i I tweet a lot during the season and that's at three two ephus but you have to spell out there's no numbers it's t-h-r-e-e-t-w-o ephus e-e-p-h-u-s and then if you just want to read the articles my facebook page is probably the best place for that which is it's the same like facebook.com slash three two ephus um and we've got the Baseball Texas app if you want to get my boring notifications in the middle of Ranger games. <laughs> Will we get those pictures? the bison? Yeah, oh, exactly. Those the Sam Bison ones? <laughs> no, no, those are more, uh, more rote. Those are the, uh, doc, Dr. Morneau. Um, <laughs> check and see which Twitter account this. Yeah, so on Twitter it's Dr. Uh, Dr. Morneau. Doctor is all spelled out. Perfect. I've got my my 300 followers there, so it's very very successful. <laughs> well, I mean, after today's, after you get the LL boost, don't be surprised to see that go up to like 304, you know, 305. You know what happened? I was at 240 like yesterday, and then Emma Span suggested, you know what the world needs is, or you know what MLB needs to stay relatable is an account that like Dr. Moreau style meshes together animals and baseball players, and like all of my followers went. Well, actually, <laughs> this exists. So I got, I got the MS Span bump yesterday. Nice. Excellent. All right. Well, we really appreciate you spending the time with us, Levi. Always fun. Yep. And thank you to the listeners so much for uh, listening to us ramble on about storytelling and uh, rodeo church and yes. I, I'm still having trouble <laughs> saying those two words together because it's just not something I've, I've ever thought about but I'm going to go think about common it in Seattle but my, my brother actually lives in the uh, in the Pacific Northwest he lives in Bend and and pastors a cowboy church in Bend as well so it's that's that's the family business that I have um, <laughs> Turn, turned your no, back the, on the black the black sheep of the, <laughs> of rodeo, the cowboy of the, church, of the cowboy church. <laughs> yeah right. I don't know. I don't know what, what went wrong. Oh, the, there's your biography. <laughs> the black sheep of the cowboy church. The, 
the 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 black mutton busting chief of the. <laughs> Do you guys know what mutton busting is? No. No. Uh, <laughs> it's where they put children on sheep and 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 turn them loose. This, they do this is like a punishment. <laughs> no, it's a competition, and they do this at like very rural rodeos. And they're like, so you get on the sheep as a small child. I think I was like seven, and my brother was like five, or maybe six and four. And you like hunker down on the sheep, and you grab the wool, and then they open the shoe, and they let the sheep out. And sheep are much more agile than bulls. They're like super fast, and they like bounce around and and and. <laughs> do Barry Sanders cuts on the dirt and they will just like face plant these children on the ground and everybody laughs and guffaws and it's a great time. And these children get up and they're out of breath and crying and and everyone's just knee slapping. Like this is the greatest thing ever. My, my brother started to slide. Like he fell under the sheep and the sheep stepped on his nose when he was like four. And everyone was laughing so hard that they couldn't hear what he was saying. And he, they were like, Dodes, dodes, what are you, what are you talking about, dodes? And he's like, takes his hand, and he's, his nose is bleeding. He's like, the sheep stepped on my nose. Oh <laughs> and that was the moment that he decided he wanted to, to make this his career. Right, right? <laughs> right. I'm in. I've, I've invested in blood now, so I guess I'm in. <laughs> that sounds like it's no fun for the child nor the sheep. No, it's no fun for anybody but the ruthless adults who planned it. <laughs> And like, but the kids win things, and so they're like happy to win, I guess. And I don't know, man. Little kids, little cowboy kids are tough. They really are, and I will give them Good credit on. for that. Like, they'll stand up and they'll ride again, even though they cried the last time. They're like, I'm tougher than that sheep, and they'll get. Out of like, you know what? You're, you know what, kid? You're tougher than me too. Like, congratulations to you. Well, I think we just learned something really important about the character of of many Texans and. I will, I will think it's twice true. before I mess with any Texans again. Yeah, it's true. I think, when, I, I think the last time I did it, though, I was in Idaho. So, like, it's not just Texas. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it very much informs, I think, the culture of a lot of uh, rural America. Well, I highly, rec- I, I highly encourage anyone who's listening to the podcast who has firsthand experience slash video of this to uh, tweet it to the Lookout Landing account because I am still like only 75% believing that this is a real thing. It just yeah, seems yeah, like Google it. It Google just it. seems Mut- like that should not Mutton, be allowed. Mutton, M-U-T-T-O-N, like, you know, like lamb, bustin, and don't put the G on the end of it because it's not mutton busting, it's mutton bustin. Mutton bustin, of, yep. co- of course. So, depending on how, wh- how much, like where the closest one is, I... LL May by August, and depending on the Mariners' production, LL May become <laughs> a mutton busting. It's got to be out by Spokane. Like I know there are rodeos. <laughs> yeah, in Spokane. I've been to a rodeo, the Omax Stampede. Like oh, that's yeah, like yeah, four yeah. hours from here. Like I can get there. To not too. To that's that. not too far. Uh, well, yeah. There's a there's a big rodeo in Walla Walla, Washington, but I think that one's too big. Like it has to be oh, a God. little like county rodeo for this. Okay. For, for mutton busting, little off brand, little off the side of the road. <laughs> right, right. This is not for major league rodeo. It's for like your a ball of rodeo. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the Modesto nuts there you rodeo. Go. There you go. We somehow found a way. We it took us a while, but we did. We connected the Modesto nuts and mutton busting. I knew we were gonna get there. Why was that not the initial uh, uh, mascot? The, I, the, the, it, the alliterations there. Oh no. Modesto nuts, mutton busting. 
is uh, uh, not a search term that I'm going to put into Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that does not sound like it'll return oh, great God. results. Oh my God, the rain. Can you hear it? <laughs> yes, it sounds like static. I think I think we need to wrap up before you get washed away into the Puget Sound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> All right, well, you guys... Uh, I was I was gonna end it with best of luck to you, but we're the Rangers and Mariners about are about to play each other. So um, worst of luck to you for this next three days, and best of luck after that. Yes, yeah, exactly the same. Uh, same to you. I, hope... I still want I still want the Rangers and Mariners both to make the playoffs and somehow meet in the ALCS. That's my hope. Oh, okay. I mean, it's not going to happen. You know, I mean, a lot of surprising things have happened this year, so I suppose. That. I'm allowed to hope for all sorts of things. Yeah. What <laughs> what no else do we no have? Against it yet. <laughs> if not that. Right. All right. Well, I'm gonna go uh, make sure that my basement isn't flooded up with water. Okay. <laughs> and uh, thank you again so much for uh, stopping by and chatting with us. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. All right. We will Thanks. catch you guys next time. What you cared it out for? What you cared it out for? We die alone, we're alone, die young. What you cared it out for? What you cared it out for?